What's up everyone, welcome back to The Corner Post for Match Day 30, a massive week. As always, I'm Sebastian Quinn here, joined by Daniel Rostevsky. What's up? It was a, uh, a massive match day, including some Champions League games. There's some more coming tomorrow. It's currently Wednesday night, Sydney time. And Thursday morning, we do have Bayern Munich versus Besiktas and Chelsea versus uh, Barcelona, which is huge at the new camp. But we won't have uh, any score lines or anything to give you guys analysis for it because we're recording beforehand. But we will have some predictions coming up later on. Before we get to that, you can hit me up on Twitter. That's at Seb underscore Quinn for any comments or criticism on the show. You can get Dan on Instagram. At Daniel Stevsky. Don't forget, we also have an Instagram account now for The Corner Post. That's The Corner Post Podcast and a Twitter feed. That's at The Corner Post over there. So you can tweet us live there. There's some live tweets on there, analysis from the show and more pictures uh, to view from us while we're recording. So without any further ado, we'll get straight into the games. Uh, Dan, I know you have a lot to say on this one. Manchester United 2, Liverpool 1, a Marcus Rashford double, uh, sinking Liverpool inside 30 minutes Eric Bailly with an own goal uh, to give the Reds somewhat of a lifeline in the second half but they couldn't capitalise on a a pretty decent second half Uh, Dan I'm just going to leave an open forum for you to talk right now look I won't I won't say too much about it Mm -hmm. I mean the referees basically ruined it for us yeah Um, it's a clear penalty at the end there definitely I'll give that one but Rashford was just left to run rampant by the defence I'll go first goal straight away. What was it? Trent Alexander-Arnold pretty much lost him while he was defending. Let him go goal side on the inside of him. Mm -hmm. Little flick by Lukaku. He was clearly going to win that header every time. And Trent Trent, um, Alexander-Arnold was on the back foot from the start. As soon as it went through, it was like, all right. Basically, he was, yeah, everyone saw what happened. It was basically on the inside of him. And then Rashford clearly outclassed in there with the cut on the inside. It was a lovely cut. Yeah. You got to give credit there. I mean, look, Alexander Arnold should know push him on his left mm-hmm. he's gonna cut he's got a right foot force the cross it's not yep. that hard because as soon as um, Rashford cut Trent was nowhere mm. turned around it was already in the goal yeah. so one of those things where basically just push him on his left push him out and it's, 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 it's basically defending I mean shouldn't have even let him go through in the first place kept an eye on him forced him on the wing yeah. but that's just how the first goal went down I'm, mm. not, I'm not happy about that I think obviously the inexperience is there but at the same time yeah. Rashford had so much space after that chop like he probably could have taken another two touches yeah. and gone even, even further but I mean just a fantastic finish though to bury that's that the, yeah, I don't, don't want to take anything away from his goal because that was a that was a flawless finish mm. Karius was left just grabbing at nothing <laughs> uh, like uh, Trent again his experience is just he needs he needs more of it because he's he plays well against like the small teams where Liverpool win four five five nil, mm-hmm. but that's because he's not he's not really being tested. Yeah, and against United where he's got Rashford just running running around him, he needs he needs to step up. Yeah, it'll come. I'm assuming you know if they do stick with him, whether Klopp does buy another back, he does have a lot of faith in him, and also yeah. Andrew Robertson on the other right back role. So. Uh, I mean, you never know. The experience only comes with playing games against these big teams, and yeah. hopefully he learns from it. But I mean, when you got Rashford, who's like what twenty, twenty one now, um, probably even younger. He's like nineteen young. or something. Yeah. yeah. So, when you got Rashford doing these things against Alexander Arnold, obviously they're on you know two different levels. But mm. uh, you know, fingers crossed for Liverpool's sake at least uh, that he can grow into a you know decent defender, which I'm sure he you know he's shown some pretty good signs outside That's of the this thing, game. Yeah, he's quite young, mm. so we'll give him time. But it's just yeah, in vital games like this is where you sort of want that experience right back. Where yeah. Liverpool probably should have purchased someone instead mm-hmm. there was um, it was interesting because both goals did come from goal kicks as well Yeah, which I thought you know De Gea is obviously not going to get the assist on it but both from goal kicks and both directly involved Romelu Lukaku um, he got the flick on for that first goal and then had the pass into the box for the second one I mean he had a pretty decent game without you know being getting his name on the score sheet yeah. or you know getting, and he's had a really good patch of form he did score against Sevilla which we will get to um, in a few seconds but you know good for United to kind of see that investment really coming back to them we did touch on it last week as well but I mean, now it's, it seems some now that he's doing consistently. They must mm. be happy. Yeah, obviously, like the, the pay that was called the um the fee for him was just out of this world. So started off well, had a bit of a a patch of just you know just not really doing anything well. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's coming, it's coming well now. And I mean, in the pre match, they even said he's going to be basically battling with Van Dyke yeah. in that game. He won that battle. Yeah, no, I would agree with that for sure. I mean, Van Dyke had a really good chance early on, which deflected from his head into his Off shoulder. shoulder yeah. And you have to score those. Uh, that was almost an open header, unmarked, yeah. and it's just like six-yard box. Get that in there, please. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But, um, I mean, Liverpool will come back to the penalty shout. Uh, that was like a very... I mean, it's a very clear penalty. Like, just 
chops him in the calf. Pretty um, much no attempt on the ball mm. and brought him down on his own path. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a penalty for me. Yeah, so a bit, um, you know, more calls for VAR, of course, but at mm. the same time, I suppose, you know, these sort of things do come back and I spoke about before how, you know, big believer in karma in football as well. Yeah. But uh, in the end, 2-1, uh, now United are five points clear of Jurgen Klopp's men who slide down to fourth uh, following the Spurs win this weekend. Another big win for United against another big team. Uh, so, you know, they beat Chelsea, what, two weeks ago, Crystal Palace in between, and mm-hmm. now uh, now Liverpool. I mean, they're unfortunately, you know, with Man City running away with the title, you know, would they... I mean, surely they'd be the favourites going into next season? Or how do you put... I mean, besides besides City, would you put mm-hmm. them, peg them as favourites, I should say? Yeah. I mean, if City maintain what they're doing now, mm-hmm. purchase the right players in the off-season, then they could do it again. I, don't, I have no no doubt in my mind that they'll do it again mm-hmm. it probably will depend on who United buy and how yeah. they use those buys and then again the team that they have at, on the off season could be completely different to this team mm-hmm. but knowing Mourinho he will buy some good players and know how to work with them so I'd say yeah they'll be up there yeah I think um, it was interesting because you know you, Mourinho typically plays a very defensive style mm. um, and this game you know kind of really took it straight at Liverpool so it was nice to see just their kind of like their old style you know their old attacking style rather yeah. coming back and then mixing with Mourinho's really harsh defensive style because that first half it was really free flowing you could see how well his, his, his team lined up in defence I mean Salah didn't even see him mm-hmm. Young covered him perfectly yeah. Firmino had to go so deep to get the ball again didn't even hear his name that often yeah. Yeah. Mane, my God, yeah. couldn't put a pass together no, no. the whole game. I think he made one one clean pass and I was back to uh, the left mid. Other than that, he was putting passes just to, again, intercepted by every United defender. Yeah. So, I mean, they just shut the front three down perfectly. Yeah, they did very well. But um, we'll quickly touch on their, their Champions League loss to Sevilla, which, I mean, really... You know, the Spanish team are kind of, were kind of seen as the whipping boys going into this mm. round of 16 clash. And United, you know, United fans, you know, licking their lips, really, yeah. getting into it. So, I mean, how you got to be disappointed coming off such a big win. It was a quiet first half, but that second half, Yedda getting two goals inside, what, four or five minutes, mm. you know, doing very well. Lukaku getting one in the 84th minute, but, you know, Sevilla going through in there. That was a United home, eh? Yeah, at Old Trafford too, yeah, which also... That sucks for them, I mean... Again, you wouldn't you wouldn't think United would lose to Sevilla, but then again, they could be the the equivalent team in um, La Liga. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it was a fair game. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to Ben. Yeah, he played well. Yeah. There was also a stat that uh, Alexis Sanchez gave the ball away. I think it was forty four times, which was the Champions League record. Yeah. Which is just you know absurd. Just I mean, think about that for a minute. You pretty much lost possession forty eight times. Hmm. I don't, I didn't think some players didn't get the ball that often. Yeah. I mean, he's you know getting on the ball getting on the ball. Excuse me. Just so many just straight passes and nothing going right and just being dispossessed with his um, dribbling and I mean just reminds me of the Arsenal days and you know Facebook was just trolling him but you know Mm. you can take Alexis Sanchez out of Arsenal but you can't take the Arsenal out of Sanchez and all this other stuff which I appreciate yeah of course you know they I mean he's still you know obviously still a quality player and I feel like the deal the swap deal now is looking more and more even Um, you know Mkhitaryan not as great as a start at least not as high profile as Sanchez which I think is Mm. fair to say but at the same time 44 dispossession like that's you can't do that especially that's in a Champions League game yeah. so just um, I mean ultimately disappointing how do you I mean now that we've given it some time to breathe how do you rate that um, deal this will, be our, this will be our final say on the transfer I mean it's quite equivalent I'd say because they've both I mean performance wise Mkhitaryan's done better mm-hmm. I think he's got the better stats in the games that they've been like in the, uh, the new teams but United are doing better than Arsenal on the ladder yeah well, the so thing I is- mean if you're going off the players who's happier mm. Sanchez is sitting at second but he may not be enjoying his football yeah I wouldn't say McTowns are joining football either yeah. after going down <laughs> yeah. against so, uh, Brighton. So. But the thing, yeah, so the, the thing with, with, you know, Sanchez playing at Arsenal was when we did play these big sides against Liverpool, against Chelsea, we weren't getting results. Mm. And United now have beaten, you know, two of these big teams twice in three weeks. So, I mean, almost regardless, I mean, I feel like in Sanchez's head, he's saying, you know what, I can do whatever I want, 44 dispossessions, whatever, as long as we're winning, yeah. then I don't really care, which isn't exactly a great mentality to mm. have, but... At the same time, I suppose, you know, three points is three points for him. I mean, there's an argument you can make there. It's like, oh, I played, I played rubbish today, but we won. Yeah. So, I mean, the team, the fans are like, yeah, sweet, we're through. Mm. Or we won, whatever. And then Sanchez is like, okay, great. But, like, I had the worst game of my life. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, definitely, if they aren't, 
you know, he's under the microscope if they aren't winning those games. Yeah. You know, they, which is exactly what happened against Sevilla. They lost, you know, 2-1. I was like, mm. well, what the hell? 44 dispossessions. Like, what's going on? But Had they won that game, not, the stat wouldn't, wouldn't have come out. Yeah, no, no one cares about it. But, um, you know, winning cures everything, which is, you know, the old saying across most sports. But, mm. um, you know, that's really just disappointing from Sanchez. You yeah. Know, from every, even from an Arsenal fan side, just from mm. a, a football neutral. But uh, we'll move on to the next one. Arsenal 3, Watford nil a A huge smile across my face after this <laughs> game. But after beating AC Milan midweek, don't ask me how that happened, Arsenal returned to the Emirates with a strong performance against a Watford side, which are yeah, pretty decently informed. Three wins from their past four games. Uh, goals from Mustafi, Mkhitaryan, and Aubameyang, which just about covered every letter in the alphabet except for Z. <laughs> anyway, uh, the big story, though, Petr Cech saving a penalty from Troy Deeney, which was his first ever penalty save for Arsenal. And it also helped him reach his 200th Premier League clean sheet. Finally. Took him long enough because it was 88 days uh, from the 1-0 win over Newcastle until the game against Watford. 990 minutes of Premier League football. Dan, Far out. I mean, worth the wait for him or? No way. So. <laughs> I mean, look, good on him. Mm. 200 clean sheets is a big thing. For a keeper, you must be just loving life at the moment. Yeah. But... He's in Arsenal right now. No, not loving life. And I'm not thinking many <laughs> Arsenal players are loving life. I mean, look, two wins on the trot right now. Mm-hmm. Let's forget about the Brighton game. Yeah, and the Swansea game and the Bournemouth game. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Yeah, I'm just going to stop. But I mean, if we're going to touch on the AC Milan game, mm-hmm. I'm just still shocked at how that was possible. Yeah, I don't know, genuinely don't know how we pulled this I'm off. telling you, Wenger's, it could be a genius. Yeah. He was just building up the hopes of AC Milan team fans coach mm-hmm. oh we're gonna claim these guys up they mm-hmm. can't even beat Brighton they come into it with just over like what's it called a um they're just they're just, just overconfident overconfident and yeah. they just think to themselves this guy's just a walkover team it's gonna be a walkover game Wenger's a genius mate oh, man. Wenger's what, a genius that's what happens when you underestimate Danny Welbeck um, <laughs> but it was just you know two I mean two pretty quality goals inside the first half mm. and then after that like I mean probably could have probably could have gotten more you know Welbeck did quite well which is I mean you could say that maybe once or twice a year now oh, that, uh, that's being generous yeah <laughs> so to come away from the San Siro does that now save Wenger's job I mean not, not even so if he wins Europa League surely that stays that keeps his job for the season I think any silverware and the board's going to be like, wow, you are a god. Yeah. Ish. I mean, if he wins Europa League, he, he will definitely get that, that, that contract mm. again. Yeah. Should he not win it? Oh, man, it's up for debate. Yeah. I think if he wins, if he wins, oh, I don't know, to be honest. I reckon if he makes semifi- any semifinals and above, um, he stays for that extra year. Mm. If he wins, like, oh, I don't know if they'd offer him a new contract. I think semi-final, probably an extra year. Mm. Make the final two years, win it. We'll give you, we'll give you ten years. Jeez, yeah. because he's still got an extra year after this one already guaranteed. Mm. And then so yeah, I'm still. I reckon yeah, semi-final he'll stay. Because I think I'm hoping this is you know my you know my head saying he should be gone at the end of this season given our results. Yeah. But I mean, Europe. I mean, Europa League is still a fairly big, you know, title at the same yeah. trophy. It's not. I mean, it's not obviously not the Champions League. I mean, but you win that, you get automatic Champions League berth. Yeah, exactly. Which would be huge if we can sign some good players in the off season too. You should because as soon as players see a team in the Champions League, hmm. they're going to go. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, really interesting uh, dilemma for the Arsenal board to have. I, you know, I think in an ideal world, Wenger wins the Champions League, sees out the rest of his contract. And then you know, kind of, or even you know, wins the champ, wins the Europa League, and then kind of just sails off into the sunset. Yeah, um, if he's like, smart, well, he would win it. Yeah, try and win it. Yeah, and then just basically that, that's it, boys. And like that would be the perfect finish. Like yeah. the fans are happy we won a trophy. The board's happy we won a trophy. Plus, fans are happy that Wenger's out. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we we touched on it last week how we were trying to predict how they would go on the next couple of games. We said they'd beat Watford. Yeah, was it West Ham next or yeah, West Ham, Bournemouth, and then uh, I think so, Burnley's towards the end as well. Yeah. Should he win all those games, I reckon they'll, they'll keep him on. Uh, we'll come back to the Watford game, though. It was, I mean, somewhat ironic with Troy Deeney being the one to step up to, t- to take the penalty and then missing. And obviously, earlier in the season, saying that Arsenal don't have the cojones to you know win big games hmm. and everything. And the, the Emirates was, abs- despite some empty seats, the Emirates was rocking after he missed this. Everyone that was, was that ideal. He's a player everyone loves to hate. Yeah, everyone was all over. They were like, oh, you know, who are you? Who are you? Just going off mm. and then it was funny because post game uh, Dini was outside it was actually outside the stadium taking photos with fans signing autographs I'm like what are you doing like you know sure everyone was like really polite about it surprising you know Arsenal fans I mean not exactly known to be you know hooligans by any means mm. but at the same time I figured that you 
know, after what he said, he'd be public enemy number one. Yeah. But the big thing for me was DT from Arsenal Fan TV had his, uh, got his son taken. He took a photo with Troy Deeney. Mm. And then his Instagram post was, oh, Troy Deeney, you know, lovely man off the pitch. I still hate you on it. But, you know, thank you for the photo with my son. I think it shows how it's like, it's just a game at the end of the day. Yeah. They're all people are behind behind those, those cleats and those jerseys. Mm-hmm. They're just the average Joes I mean of course on the field you're in the opposite colours we hate you yeah. off the field oh well, that was a good game yeah it was a tough game tough game it's just friendly banter yeah. at the end and I feel like DT of all people would be the one to say go you know, go F yourself kind of thing True. to Troy yeah. Deeney um, actually while we're on the topic of Arsenal fan T I would like to point out that Ty has made his long awaited return now that Arsenal have won Ty. a game Ty oh coincidentally so, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> yeah nothing going on there but anyway uh, back to the game uh, Aubameyang's goal it was finally nice to see him do that front flip yeah. in Arsenal colours. Like it was just, you know, Trademark. he got the goal against Brighton, but you know, just to see him, you know, smile on his face, the club are all around, the teammates all around him. Um, he was waiting for the home, the yeah. home goal, and then like, I mean, did it, he did he has scored at home before, but mm-hmm. I think it was a sweeter now. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, a good finish. That I mean, I think like Azet probably could have done it as well, but you know, to have Aubameyang there and like you know, beat the keeper, get around the assist from Mkhitaryan too, mm-hmm. to slide through the defenders. I mean, this is you know, kind of what you're hoping for from their Dortmund days. For yeah. Dortmund days to you know transfer to Arsenal. If you give Aubameyang space, he will, he will show you why he's a world class striker. He just gets past he gets past keepers like they're just standing still. Yeah, it's just, it's so easy for him, and like you don't see it that often because he doesn't get the chance, he doesn't get the space. Mm. But when he's in there, you know it's a goal. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we've been speaking about the past couple of weeks that Arsenal strikers, whoever they do play up front, tends to be isolated. Mm. So um, it was good to see him have that kind of support around there. Speaking of support, Mesut Ozil picking up his 50th Premier League assists, bringing up the half century in 141 league games, which is a new record for the English Premier League huh. uh, for the quickest player to get to 50 assists. Eric Cantona, Dennis Bergkamp, Cesc Fabregas and David Silva all rounding up the top five. That's, pretty impressive from Ozil. That, that's a pretty good list of names, yeah. man. I mean, you know, it's a it's another miscellaneous stat, you know, quickest player to 50 assists and all that, you know, there's stats for everything now. But at the same time, you know, for a player who gets accused of disappearing in big games, which he does, I think, yeah. in all fairness. I mean, 50 Premier League assists in 40, 141 league games. Like, it's a stat you can't really deny. I mean, each position, I reckon, has their own little, like, go-to stat. Like, strikers, all right, how many goals have I scored? Mm. Keepers, how many clean sheets? Defenders, same, how many clean sheets? Midfielders, they they really sit on their, on their assists. Mm-hmm. So, I'd say he's happy with that. Yeah, definitely. But uh, just to round out, Arsenal... Uh, with just three wins from their last 10 Premier League games, which is absurd. Like, That's appalling, to be honest. unheard of. Um, a relatively easy run home here, uh, Dan. So Leicester, Stoke, Southampton, Newcastle, West Ham, which is what you're talking about, United, Burnley, Huddersfield to finish off the season. I still don't think they crack, crack the top four, but it could be a very typical Arsenal finish to the season where they do you know, win a good majority of these games. I think the United game will be the biggest test of those ones. Yeah, I think if you win the United game, that will probably be... A top four finish mm-hmm. and that, that'll decide it for you but I can always see a one all draw with one of the Stoke teams or, yeah Burnley yeah uh, so tough one but anyway speaking of Burnley uh, they did pick up a 3-0 win over West Ham a, a pretty shocking result uh, because it was a, a pretty convincing win for them mm. uh, all the goals coming in the second half but the big story out of this one uh, with two fans running onto the pitch Mark Noble I mean essentially grabbing one by the, the back of his jeans and tossing him to the side yeah. and then the other one running on with the corner flag and kind of you know in the middle of the pitch I mean it's it's not good you know not good signs for West Ham right now I mean what do you expect uh, I, I would have called this the team's just in shambles <laughs> relegation's imminent it's just one of those things where the fans have that they've had enough yeah. a 3-0 loss at home to Burnley this is not something West Ham like if it happened if it happened at United then that's some that's some scary stuff yeah. even at West Ham you wouldn't think to yourself bro Burnley let, let's cop three yeah it, make, it makes sense to me why the fans are going crazy because yeah. this shouldn't happen. Yeah, no one no one goes into a game against Burnley at home saying, like, we're going to concede three goals. Mm. Today. Like, Burnley, we've been speaking about Burnley the entire time we've done this podcast that they've been struggling with their attack. Yeah. And they just bang three past West Three Ham. goals, man. You know, and it, I mean, you know, credit to our Kiwi neighbour, Chris Wood, getting two of them. But at the same time, like, West Ham's defence really has to, you know, pick this one up. The one thing that um, that I really loved, well, didn't, loved for the from, from a Burnley perspective, but, you know, must be, you know, West Ham fans must be seething mm. uh, from this Joe Hart that last goal long range shot caught, well should have caught it bounced off his chest fell to the feet of Chris Wood and you know he finally gets a game in goal after Adrian's taking his spot and mm, yep. just blows it it's just one of those things where if anything or anything that could go wrong will go wrong for them yeah 
after that uh, after that second goal, a huge mob in front of the champ in front of the uh, executive box in West Ham. I mean, the team's just I mean, the West Ham fans, excuse me, just livid with uh, the team right now. I I mean, I really don't know what else to say. You know, they signed all these great players in the off season. Mm. New, you know, world class stadium. Like, you know, the facilities there. You know, you're getting all that. Plenty of money going through because you did sign all these players. You got yeah. David Moyes. You know, not a fantastic coach, but you did fire. Um, what's his uh, Slavon Bilic? You know, what halfway yeah. early on the way through the season. So there's really like what what excuse is left for West Ham? Like, you don't have to worry about Champions League football. There's nothing. Honestly. FA Cup and um, Carabao Cup. Like, you know, if you want to do, if you want to compete in that, you know, play your youngsters. But I don't yeah. think that's a priority for them. If anything, that would be more growth. A growth tournament yeah. those ones um, I did see a photo of um, the Burnley fans bringing um, the kids from the stands mm. into the subs bench to yeah. like sort of guard them from the, the West Ham fans because they were they were just they were, they were going crazy yeah would you really I mean it's just disappointing from a you know from a football neutral perspective any kind of sport you don't want to see that yeah. um, anywhere and for it to be such a dangerous area like I mean because they were it wasn't I don't want to say rioting because riots you know in, include so much more than what what happens at a football stadium mm. um, but at the same time you know if it's that kind of environment that's the last thing you need as an advertisement for you know neutral fans to come exactly. into a football game yeah. especially to such a big stadium you know because you look at the London stadium you know people see and like oh you know brand new stadium must be good you know West Ham's a decent team and um, you know people will be encouraged to go there but you know when this sort of thing's happening it's not good signs mm. over in uh, West London but anyway we'll move on to Chelsea 2 Crystal Palace 1 uh, the Blues avoiding a third successive defeat which is kind of weird to say with a win over Crystal Palace Willian cooking, uh, kicking off the scoring with a lovely finish into the bottom corner some great time from Willian really hitting form right before the World Cup which is now less than 100 days away it's, only, it's vital for Brazil now because no name I'm Neymar, Neymar's uh, a touchy subject for them, so it's, yeah. good, it's good to see some of these players from Brazil are getting into top top form. Mm. Do you think he makes it back in time? Because I think the timetable was two months minimum, um, which is what sixty days or so, which gives him an extra month. But at the same time, I mean, you know, that's two months minimum. But so I remember, I remember reading it was like he will come back, and then within a couple couple weeks, yeah, first game, yeah. So it's just like if I was them, I'd put him on team sheet because mm-hmm. even an injured or a subpar Neymar is still quality player yeah. and you know he's going to go out and give his all as well mm. I mean as much as you know he'll, he'll cop flag for diving and all that sort of thing at the same time you'd rather have him on the team than not there at yeah. all if he doesn't play though what are your striking options as a, as a you know from Brazil's perspective what are your striking options you know you do have Willian you got Firmino he would have played probably on the left wing mm-hmm. and I just slot Coutinho and unchanged and, and keep the team unchanged yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a lovely counter sorry just back to the game a lovely counter from Chelsea which unfortunately ended in an own goal for Ryan Kelly uh, trying to save the ball off the line it's kind of a weird one because he kicked the ball into his own keeper hit the back of I think it was Spironi's head <laughs> which then bounced back into Kelly off his shin and into the goal uh, so I mean just like they drew it up in practice for Chelsea on that just one but pure comedy um, at that point I suppose you take a goal when you can get it Chelsea I mean just dominated this game they had so it should have been more than 2-1 in mm. all honesty looking at the highlights and uh, fast forwarding through the game Patrick Van Aanholt did grab his second goal in, in less than a week in the 90th minute uh, but the damage was done with Chelsea running away with the win Palace blocking seven shots uh, from Chelsea in the end which a pretty stout defensive performance so if you're going to take any positives away from it then you've, there is something yeah. there for Palace uh, but no points which is the big thing for them Roy Hodgson really needs points right mm-hmm. now <laughs> so how far is he off relegation uh, so Palace are still 18th on 27 points seven points away from West Brom but they're still tied on points with Stoke in 19th thing is you do have Swansea in 14th on 31 so I mean one win two win win and a draw you're right back out of there Yeah. but I mean at the same time you can take positives out of it but when you when you aren't getting results that's what you really need right now for them I mean it's, it's so easy to say oh two wins and they're out mm. but I mean if they're not even notching up a win against teams that you think to yourself that's a win for them mm. then what can you do to be honest yeah they really need to come away with these you know relegation six pointers and you know mm. put push them all the way up uh, the table but speaking of relegation bound teams West Brom won Leicester 4 after Solomon Rondon opened the scoring for the Baggies it was all downhill from there with Jamie Vardy Mahrez Ihe Nacho uh, who scored his first goal for Leicester actually and Ibora all getting on the score sheet Vardy with possibly a goal of the season contender after a first time hit from Mahrez just lobbed off from basically halfway came down left foot into the bottom that corner that was so clean that goal I mean Vardy even at what 30-31 still just able to you know put, a, put it away 
think foot as well. Exactly. I think that's, that's what's most astonishing. That's so naughty. So uh, in four games at the Hawthorns, Jamie Vardy has scored in all four away for Leicester, which is a pretty crazy uh, stat for him it's there. Impressive. Uh, Maris, meanwhile, has kind of refound found his form once again after being dropped uh, amid the Liverpool uh, Man City controversy. Mm. Now has two goals and one assist since then after the rumours of his departure, bringing his tally to ten goals and nine assists on the season. Not quite the same form which saw them win the league title, but at the mm. same time, definitely positive signs yeah. uh, for the Algerian. For what he's got to work with, I'd say that, that's pretty good. Yeah, I keep arguing the case that he should go to Barca because <laughs> yes. he will flourish. Yeah, it's going to happen sooner or later, the more we say Honestly, it. what he got there, double that at Barca because mm. he's going to have just five other Marises there to work with. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be easy for him. A lot of assists. Does he keep the blonde hair if he goes to Barcelona? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he'll fit right in with Messi. This is here to stay that color, that hair color, I'm guaranteeing. <laughs> I still don't know if I like it, but anyway, we'll um, come to the end of the season and we'll have our final say on it. Uh, the Foxes currently sitting eighth on the table. Would it be fair to call this season a success given the fact that they had such a bad start? They had one win from their first eight games and, you know, they've currently turned into they're sitting eighth outside Europe, um, outside, you know, Europa League football. Mm. Decent Claude Puel's kind of turned it around for them. They they had a different manager at the start of the season, did they? Yeah, yeah. Craig Shakespeare. That's him. Uh, Ranieri before him, then Shakespeare. Mm. Yeah, so Shakespeare before him and then, yeah, moving on to Claude Puel. But he's done yeah. quite well. I would have pegged them as a middle table team this season, to be mm-hmm. honest. And when they won the league, that's just one of those once in a lifetime uh, teams yeah. or just moments for them. So they're honestly a middle table team on their, on, like, on their good day. Yeah, I think... Yeah, with Leicester, the, from a fan's perspective for them, since they won the league, and so they could honestly finish anywhere outside of the relegation zone and they'll be fine. Because, like, you know, yeah. we won the league, you know, we're going to ride this way for as long as possible. But I think, I mean, are there any concerns post-Vardy in terms of striking options for them? Yeah, without a doubt. They're not a big spending club. Yeah. Even when they brought in Ihi Nacho, I was like, all right, well, this is interesting because he had a, for a period, he had the best uh, minutes to goals ratio. But at the same time, he was coming on as a super sub for you. for a city and you got the silver behind you setting you up. And- yeah. I mean, look, Myers is quality, but mm. without Vardy there, I don't see them doing that well because yeah. he's early 30s. Yep, yep. He can only keep this up for so long. Mm. So, I mean, Ianacho is young. He's yeah. very, very young. So, I mean, when, when he's a 24, 25-year-old, he could be a freak. I'm, I'm pegging him to be a freak when he's 24. So, yeah. it wasn't a bad purchase, I'd say. Mm. I'm sure Leicester are hoping for the same as well, but, I mean, we'll see how they go anyway because they do have, um, you know, two older strikers behind him mm. as well. But at the same time, they really, I mean, either got to play him a little bit more because Vard- the thing is they're in that middle ground where Vardy's still good enough to be starting every single Premier League game, but Ihianacho is not good enough to be starting in FA. Well, I mean, maybe just good enough to slide into like FA Cup games. Yeah. I'd so, play him in every cup game to be honest. He yeah. needs he needs the growth. Yeah. But it's one of those things where when you're when you have an, an old an older striker, mm. the happy the happiest thing you could have is an older striker who's got about a year left in him, mm. scoring quick like twenty goals. Yeah. And a young striker who's talented coming in and still still threatening at that age. Yeah. So you know straight away, as soon as he retires, just fill the fill the void yeah, there's a nice, seamlessly. There's a nice little changing of the guard, but yeah. I think that's the conf- concern for me whether yeah. Hiyanacho can you know fill that void. That's the, but that's the test they have to do now. So uh, we'll go and talk about his former team, Manchester City, coming away with a nice two 0 win away to Stoke. Uh, no Sergio Aguero for City in this one, but it didn't matter with David Silva picking up a double in his place. City bouncing back from the two one defeat uh, to Basel in the Champions League, which was a bit. I mean, I want to say concerning, but uh, well, yeah, was, when you- that was like their first home defeat. I don't know how long. God knows how long. It would have been early last season, I yeah. think. So, um, but at the same time, when you're up 5-0 on aggregate, I suppose you don't care too much. I would have played under 11s, man. Have the team come and watch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gabriel Jesus leading the line for City in this one. How confident are you that he does take the place of Aguero once once there is that you know, similar changing of the gun? Mm. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So this he's is- going to be a freak. He's going to be a god when he's, when he's older. Yeah. So this is definitely more of a... I'm far more certain about uh, this- Jesus taking... Honestly, this is the best example you can see. Aguero is obviously not old, but he's older. Yeah. And as he progresses to the 30s, Gabriel Jesus will be in his 20s. Yeah. Mid-20s, mid-30s. As soon yeah. as Aguero retires, you've got Jesus in his prime, not even starting his prime. And you've got him for another six years. Yeah, Aguero's currently 29, Jesus 20. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like that's almost perfect. That's perfect, for him perfect right to be there. honest. Aguero in his prime, mm-hmm. a few more years out of his prime. Give uh, Jesus a few those years that Aguero's going to be out of his prime. He's going to be just touching, even just looking at his prime. Mm. You, you got you got a young Jesus there. Jesus, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, uh, a good article from Bleach Report who... Uh, reported that uh, Guardiola has a plan to bring in Dybala as a replacement for Aguero. 
So how does that line? I mean, that would be, imagine De Bruyne, I mean, probably not Fernandinho at that point, but yeah, De Bruyne, Dybala, right behind Jesus, like that lineup. I need a minute. So. If just Dybala comes to City mm. with the team they already have, we're, we're, look, we're looking at a dream team here. Yeah, I mean, that kid is a freak. Yeah, we will. Um, we, we have to actually quickly touch on this. We have been watching the first team Juventus on Netflix, yeah. which has been an extraordinary series so far, and I'm love absolutely it. loving I, it. I want more, more of that, to be honest. If other teams can bring their insight into their players lives training lives everything that'd be perfect yeah no absolutely loving it but um well i have to ask you one of the questions that was posed to the siglio in one of the when he went to the adidas store launch from memory was whether he'd prefer to win the world cup or the champions league and he said the champions league in that which i thought was an interesting interesting answer Hmm. um so dan i'm going to pose the same question to you champions league or world cup Mm, see yeah People remember the country that won the World Cup, mm-hmm. not so much the players. Yeah. You could go back. I mean, recently it's obviously that because, like, from like '98 onwards, you know the teams, you know the players. Go further back, you can't really name any names yeah. that you'd know. It's like, oh yeah, that country won, that country won, that country won it. Mm. Champions League, it's honestly, it's, it's so debatable because Champions League as well. People remember the team yeah. as of recent, the names. All right, from like 2005 onwards, all oh, those big names, big names. Yeah, personally. Oh, I'm so on the fence with this yeah, one. I'd love to win the Champions League. Yeah. But then again, playing for your nation, winning the World Cup, I have to say World Cup. Yeah. The thing for me is like, I'm kind of in a similar situation where the Champions League, and I've heard this argument before, like the Champions League has the best teams in the world. Mm. Like I would say, like if you pit, say Juventus against, I don't know, even like under the German national team, I mean, it'd be an even contest, but like, I feel like Juventus could probably come away with... They could contest them, but... Yeah, I mean, even Brazil. Like, the Champions League as a whole has tougher teams yeah. as well. So, to beat so many and progress through there, you know, maybe not so much for United because, I mean, they were meant to beat Sevilla, but obviously didn't get that done. Mm. Um, but, you know, as a whole, Champions League, you know, the best teams across Europe, which has the best players because there's, you know, there's obviously, there's no restrictions to where you play. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind of leaning towards Champions League on this one as well, to be honest. It's one of those things where the Champions League is just a test of European teams whereas the World Cup is the world yeah go off like total viewers and the exposure you get out of World Cup you get a billion two billion people watching Champions League is I'm not sure the number but it wouldn't be that yeah so just picturing yourself in your country's colours holding the World Cup yeah that's just, that, that's phenomenal uh, so many people cheering and stuff and you know Tim K who are right behind us probably <laughs> 17 who said I'm playing for Australia <laughs> well, I don't think Macedonia's gonna have much of a chance going forward 2064 either. watch it happen <laughs> I mean that being said I don't think China or Ireland will have any chance going forward we'll, I reckon what Shay Given will have to play goalkeeper as well in that bring it back for us but um, yeah very I mean I highly we're not being paid and this is definitely isn't a sponsored post or anything from Netflix but nah. highly recommend watching that Juventus yeah, documentary sure. just it fan- is it is Italian it is spoken Italian with subtitles but yeah. still it's worth it's worth a watch yeah, and just I mean Buffon um, I mean, he's just so articulate and even you know Miller and Pjanic and all the players yeah. just, you can see like the culture in Juventus Juventus is just so much different compared to say like your Man United's and they just you know drinking coffee and all the, the Italian lifestyle kind of transitions to how they treat you know their football too it's a giant family there man yeah like, but, they, but, they, they bring in players that sort of want to play with each other not as in like oh superstar here superstar mm-hmm. there it's just guys that want to work for each other yeah it's which is the thing that kill, which gets me is like Sammy Kadira who is still a quality player but you look at him as like well you know there are other, other there are other better center defensive midfielders out there you know Matuidi who they did bring in this offseason mm. but I was like Kadira still playing for them and I was like yeah. well you see him speak and see how hard he works and how highly other players speak of him you know because like alright well you know it makes sense and you can see why Allegri really wants him to be in the team as kind yeah. of like a leader it's one of those things where a lot of people overlook work rate of players mm-hmm. you could be a not, a, a not, not a really well known player or not worth a lot on, on the market mm. but if your work rate is just the greatest out of every team in Europe yeah. mate it's one of those things that no one will look at no one will see your stats won't show it until you read his GPS tracking and yeah. all, the, all the off the ball runs heat map and all that exactly yeah. like he won't be putting up assists or goals mm. but if he's running rampant on the field that, that's a player that you want to play with yeah. and just work hard for yeah and the thing is when Juventus is getting like a 2-0 win away from home or whatever Dybala two goals on the score sheet yep sweet mm. no one you know no one's talking about the defender saying oh you know they got a clean sheet and sure you know wherever they might be playing exactly you know, he still has to work hard to get in the way, block shots. A deep ball hat-trick usually means 
12 kilometers run by Kadira. Yeah. And no one's thinking, oh, Kadira, what the hell is he doing there? Mm-hmm. Dibala got a hat trick. Look at look at Kadira on the, on the way into the dressing room. He's just he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 12K is covered clean. Make, make sure the midfield had the easiest, easiest, the easiest day of the week for them. Yeah. No, he's definitely a player. I mean, kind of player that any team would love to have him on their side. Yeah. Uh, but before, he's a born leader. Yeah, definitely. Before we do move away from the Champions League and World Cup, we do have to speak about Oscar coming out and saying that yeah. he's not too worried about not playing in the World Cup. You know, he said that he's you know happy living on the wages that he's on because he grew up in such a poor area mm. in Brazil. Um, and you know, he's the what was it? His name? He said he'd rather not live off the memories of a World Cup. Yeah, which is his argument to everyone asking me only in it for the money, only in it for the money. Which yeah. I mean, he's got a point. Mm-hmm. How many people do you, do you see win a World Cup and then basically because they were in just a rubbish team, a butchers or just working in a deli or something? Yeah, or some like you know media role or something. Yeah. Like, not that there's anything wrong with me because that's what we're doing. That's but, exactly what we're um, doing. Yeah, we're we're a lot better anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's he's got a point. I get, he's I definitely get, got a point. I, I get mean, what you're saying. Okay, look, winning a World Cup that's great. Mm-hmm. Twenty years down the track, all right, sweet, I'm retired. What what happens now? Yeah, he's he's smart. He's smart in the fact that he's doing it for the money. He's, he's basically got himself sorted yeah. for post, post-football post life. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, his family sorted, you know, his, his current life is sorted. He's yeah. probably bought his family a house in Brazil. Yeah. Which is kind of, I feel like that's I think, kind of- I think he owns about five favelas now. He, he's, running, he's running those. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, family sorted, his you know future generations are sorted with the amount yep. of money that's being thrown at him. He's still relatively young. A World Cup, like I'm sure you're getting extra bonuses for winning games across there. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I mean, ideally for him is to get both playing in China, earning a crap load of money and playing in the World cup yeah uh but the fact that he can play in china earn all that money and then put his feet up and not have to worry about potential injuries as mm. well i feel like you know i'm kind of and i'm like i'm, I'm really 50 50 on this one because yeah as you were just saying you know playing playing the world cup you know not even lifting i mean brazil's a pretty good chance of winning a title yeah straight away so they're always in contention to win it so i mean it's one of those things where you think to yourself oscar man just fight for that spot yeah but it's one of those things where if you're going to live in the moment, then you will enjoy that moment because you're not thinking about what's happening 20 years down the track, 20 years behind you. Yeah. You think to yourself, oh, put, put put this effort for the World Cup yeah. and win it. And I'll worry about it later. Yeah. But Oscar's thinking to himself, nah, but like, look, you do that and then 20 years, what's happening? Mm-hmm. So it's debatable. Pe- pe- people can, can vote on that. Yeah, he's thinking um, Yeah, he's thinking long-term, which is very rare yeah. to see uh, in, in, in the football world these days. But yeah, hit us up on Twitter. I'll put up a poll. I'll uh, chuck on Instagram as well because I can finally do that. I think we yeah. had some problems recently with one of the polls. I think it was a City Basel game. Um, just for some reason didn't work. So apologies for that one. But yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with all of that. Finally, just to round out this City game, kind of a big question kind of a big you know theoretical uh, question here Dan with Jesus you know taking over from Aguero does this kind of spell the the death of the big man up front Giroud Crouch Andy Carroll it's kind of you know gone gone are the days of having that kind of striker honestly I remember I remember the time where it was the quick quick zippy striker mm-hmm. and then it changed to the big guy yeah and that's back to the little guy mm-hmm. I mean it's slowly assimilating into that little area now but there's yeah. always going to be taller faster stronger players coming in yeah so I mean it's honestly it's relative to the player that it is there yeah do you have a preference uh, for what you like to watch honestly tall strikers are more usually hold up type players mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of that yeah. I like the quick counter attack strikers yeah. like obviously not five foot five Mertens type players yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a nice six foot two ideal height mm-hmm. quick and it's just honestly a mix of both good in the air has pretty much the aerial threat of a tall striker. Yeah. The speed of a little guy. Yeah. Just a complete striker. Sounds like you are describing Aubameyang, which will hopefully um, <laughs> come to fruition for us. But um, yeah, who knows with that one. I mean, I'm on the fence. I do like Giroud. You know, Crouch obviously is, you know, well past his prime now. Mm. Andy Carroll's perpetually injured. But at the same time, like I do, you know, you see Giroud playing with Chelsea and when he's got Hazard and all these quick wingers running alongside him, like even playing as a hold-up striker, just, yep, touch, layoff. Hazard comes through, scores a goal. Like yeah. it's, it's lovely football to watch. But I mean, I can't appreciate Aguero's finishing like you know for a quick striker just in, in between the lines in behind striker yeah. uh, defenders excuse me um, it's just it's, it's, it's beautiful football yeah. like, I mean it's all relative to the team's tactic and yeah. like how they play some teams love playing long balls mm-hmm. Crouch there you go Stoke City was perfect, perfect fit for Crouch mm. other teams like uh, City prefer build up play lots of lots of passing yeah. Aguero ideal mm. I feel like there's always going to be that niche for a big man to come off the bench last 20 minutes just go up there head the ball down that's to what you players. want yeah just so, the one play that's basically 
the basically the counterpart of the, of the defense. You got tired defense, put a quick guy on. You got short defense, get a tall guy on yep. when you need that. Go for it. Uh, we'll move on to uh, Newcastle 3, Southampton nil. Ex-Chelsea winger uh, Kennedy grabbing a double inside half an hour. The second goal, which has to go down as probably one of the best counter-attacking moves from this season. Did not expect this from Newcastle. Somewhat fortunate with Mario Lamina, an ex-Juventus player, uh, with an air swing just outside their own box. But I think it was roughly about four or five passes all the way up the field, cut inside. No player really took more than three touches mm. on the ball. I mean, just did not expect this from Newcastle to say the least. But I mean, they're really hitting their straps at the right possible time, at the best possible time. It's a combination of Rafa Benitez mm-hmm. and a really, really rubbish Southampton team. Yeah, that also helps. <laughs> we'll, uh, Matt Ritchie secure the win with a goal in the 57th minute, condemning the Saints to yet another loss. They now have just one win from their past 17 games. They sit one point outside the relegation zone. Unsurprisingly, fired their manager, Mauricio Pellegrino. Dan, I mean, can anyone come in and save them from this relegation battle? It's possible. Yeah. They have quality players. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan of Shane Long ever since I saw him in the EPL. Yeah. So he's going to do well. Gabby Adini is a quality striker. He, he can score goals. Lamina, again, quality midfielder. So I can see them with a coach that will come in, see what was wrong, see how Pellegrino was it. Yeah. He could probably come in and say, all right, look, this guy had no idea what he was doing with these players. Had a formation that worked for him, not for the team. Yeah. So he could probably come in, tweak it a little bit, line it up differently, put certain players, hmm, you're a better left winger, and it could happen. Yeah. The way it happened with Swansea, basically. Should Pellegrino have really been let go earlier in the season? I mean, there's only mm. what, eight games left. It's one of those things where top five, six teams, mm-hmm. you re- it's really cutthroat. You lose four, five, six Maybe even seven games, you're thinking, you're thinking of getting sacked. Yeah. These bottom half teams, you think to yourself, look, we'll give them more of a chance because mm. it's not expected for us to do super, super well mm. in the league. We'll give them, we'll give them a, probably double the, the, the expectation yeah. of the other teams. So I'd say it was a fair time for him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you should have people in the in the team realizing this is not working, man. Yeah. Fix it. I think the fact that uh, they also didn't sign anyone after selling Van Dyke was a massive red red flag. Yeah. I, know, I know that's not purely on Pellegrino but at the same time like he should be pushing saying like listen we do, we do have a quality side and they do have good players but something's obviously not happening we need someone to just come in and like be a spark plug for if us if the blame isn't on him then I would get rid of the person who decided that it, that they should not buy anyone because yeah. they had so much money in obviously they're going to have um, a budget prior mm-hmm. on top of the money sold for Van Dyke man you could have bought six players yeah easily but um yeah the argentine manager with uh, just eight wins from his 34 games in charge conceded 47 goals in the process uh, definitely not a great run with southampton so you know what it is they've pretty much got rid of all their players that were once just great that mm. they grew up yeah they got no one left no, no. and well, no, I mean, no one's going to come to southampton now mm. because they've got nothing to play for besides the premier league you think to yourself no champion league i'm not going yeah I mean, not even... I mean, because they, you know, a few seasons ago, they were contending or somewhat close to mm. yeah, Europa League at least, which is, you know, a stepping stone into yeah. uh, Champions League football. I mean, even if they don't... I mean, obviously, I, I highly doubt they're going to win Europa League, but <sighs> even qualify for the round of 16 and getting in that last bit, well, you know, it's a step forward, so... And I don't see any players coming through now that I can tell you in five years, yep, yeah, this guy's this guy's the next Bale, yeah. the next Walcott, because... Mm. They grew some pretty good players that now have just disappeared yeah. into some other team. Well, they've sold all of them as well. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we'll move on to the final few games. Everton 2, Brighton 0. And own goal from uh, Guy Ten Bong, uh, probably my favorite name in the Premier League right now. <laughs> uh, and the Thunderbolt from Cheng Tosan, my second favorite Premier League name. Uh, gave the Toffees a deserved 2-0 win at Goodison Park. Late on, uh, probably one of the funnier moments of the year with Anthony Knockhart getting him in, hit in the face with the ball. Uh, Leighton Baines just smashing him there. You know, obviously, you know, slightly hurt mm. unintentional didn't mean it uh, after a missed kick you know from Baines about five seconds later Baines threw the ball in bounced around fell to Baines and Knocker just came in studs up straight red card that's fair so, you, <laughs> I'd expect they forgot knocked in the face oh, man just uh, I mean it's a bonehead move but I mean on, on a scale of 1 to 10 Dan like that it's just a douchebag thing to do that's a straight 10 that's, yeah. that's so stupid you know just you know you're down 2 nil. you know frustrated clearly you can't do that to another player it's just nah, dangerous too. Not at all. Uh, and I don't know, Anthony Knockhart just... I mean, Brighton's had a decent season so far. Yeah. Really just did not need that. You know, now he's going to miss the next game too. And it went from bad to worse as they are. They did concede a penalty straight after uh, Duffy taking down Calvert-Lewin. But uh, the man of the moment, Matt Ryan stepping up. My boy. Up. It's 
pretty good save, Dan. Like, what you know, a, down yeah. bottom corner. He's like, like God. That, that, Rooney doesn't miss penalties, man. No. And when he hits them, they're side nets. Hmm. Matt Ryan, you're a god. Yeah. Come on to the show. Yeah, please. We'll get you on, Matt Ryan, right before the World <laughs> you Cup. You can sit right here next yeah, to us. At just... the head of our dining table, <laughs> right next to the kitchen. Could you imagine him sitting there? Yeah, boys, what's happening? Yeah, what's happening, guys? Um, my mum will make you some dinner and we'll have a nice little feast. But... You can't turn this down, man. Yeah, come on. I'll tweet it out to him. Mate, we've got some golden choice peanut cookies here. Yeah, they're beautiful. Your name on it. My grandmother made those, so <laughs> come and grab them. Uh, I mean, you know, 2 0 loss. I suppose Brighton going into this one, you know, hoping for a draw. Yeah. I feel like they're, I think they're safe. I think the Australians are safe in this one. Huddersfield, we'll, we'll get to you a little happy. bit later. I'm happy. I so, mean, look, it's good for Ryan to say that penalty because um, Van Marwick named the team today. Mm-hmm. Mate, Ryan's in there. He's going to be high in confidence coming off that. Like that was, I mean, to get down that low and because he's the sh- second shortest keeper in the Premier League behind uh, Ospina and no, I think Pickford is like a centimetre taller than that him. Tall, that tall is right. Is he 6'2"? He's, he's like 184. Wow. So he's shorter than me, which is nuts. <laughs> but he's like, oh, that, yeah. I, didn't know was, I didn't know it was that short. Yeah, yeah. So for him to get down that low and like that was, if he didn't say, if you if the keeper wasn't there, that was going side netting from Rooney. Yeah. Like he got down right there, got I'm his you, strong man. hand to it. He's one of those keepers that if you put him in Chelsea, he mm. will perform at Chelsea. Yeah. He's I told you I've, I've said it so many times. He's copying eight hundred shots here. Mm. He's gonna he's gonna concede more because he's copying more. Yeah. Over at Chelsea, you concede two hundred. He probably he probably concede two only. Yeah, exactly. There was a stat that came out which was I mean debatable because it's it's definitely favourable uh, for Matt Ryan, but his uh, shot to save percentage is I think it was in the top three of the Premier League, which is above uh, Thibaut Courtois, Not and every, everyone's going nuts over it. I was he like, had a stat that put him. Yeah, that, actually, that was the one. That he was. was like second or third on the list. He's up there. De Gea is like number one. Yeah, of course, Courtois fifteenth. Hmm. But like. That's going to be phenomenal for him coming into the, the Socceroos camp with yeah. pretty much a whole Premier League season under your belt. Yeah. You're walking in like a king. Oh, yeah. Because it's him, Brad Jones, and... Mitchell Lang- no, not Langrek. Uh, it would be uh, Vukovic. Vukovic. Yeah. Vukovic isn't playing in Belgium for mm. Genk. Uh, Jones in Feyenoord at um, Netherlands. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's going to be the number one keeper out of those three. Yeah. And he's he's on hot form. Yeah. Like, look, he's, he's lost a couple of games, but... It's one of those things where we were saying before, your team loses, but you play well. Yeah. Your team wins, you play crap. Mm. He, his confidence will be okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't mind uh, copying so many shots. It's almost, and this sounds really bad, but you know them losing you know, some of these big games, is, it's almost it's definitely experience and almost a training run for him, yeah. you know, getting all these shots, playing against great players. I prefer my keeper to cop 800, 900 shots mm. as opposed to a Chelsea keeper copping 200 shots yeah. from a great defense because mm. you'd learn more. Yeah, well, I mean, really shows the uh, the good from the bad, you know, in terms of keeper quality. Because Courtois could face Courtois, De Gea, all these players could face no shots an entire game. Then out of nowhere, save one that's going pigeonhole. And, and there you go, clean sheet. Yeah, that's so, like you won one save as opposed to Matt Ryan who made fifteen saves but conceded three goals. Yeah, so I mean, obviously there's a difference in quality, but you know, you could see Matt Ryan. You know, he's also up. he's also a um, great person off the pitch. Mm. You see, he gave um, oh, was it either he that he walked someone out with him or gave someone his signed shirt? I think he signed. Shirt, from, yeah. from one of the Brighton fans like he's just he's just like downright mm. good Aussie bloke where do you stand on um, there's now people going to games I think it started with Sanchez they're now kids going to games with signs saying please X player give me your shirt Bellerin um, and it's becoming very very the Bellerin situation you watched that video yeah yeah oh of god I oh. mean come on kids it's like there could be 50 kids out there asking for the shirt yeah. it's like they're fans I mean they're going to yeah. ask for the shirt they're going to put up signs it's down to the player if he wants to give him the shirt or, mm. but then you then you see, it gets all political who deserves it more yeah. whose sob story is sadder so I mean at the same I mean if you're sitting front row at a Premier League game I mean it's the most expensive tickets in Europe like you, you may mean, not you may not need the shirt yeah your family's going to have to be pretty well off I mean, unless, unless it's one of those um, like charity uh, events where they've given you a ticket for front oh, row oh yeah in that case yeah I mean if they deserve the shirt give it to them hmm that's pretty much how I sit on it. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough one. I feel like it's super, super I'm tacky. Not a, though. I'm not a fan of the sign though. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the sign. Signs at a Premier League game just don't belong. I feel yeah. like even I mean signs at an NBA flags, games, yeah, big tifos where they have the faces of players or ex yeah. managers and stuff. All for that. Exactly. Little signs, man. Mm. This isn't WWE. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, leave that to the wrestling, <laughs> which I'm going to have to start a podcast on because <laughs> WrestleMania is right around the corner. John Cena's challenged The Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania. No way. I am so g what's, what's the date? Uh, April 3rd, I want to say. Is that a Sunday? Well, third, it's going to be Sunday in the US, Monday here. Woo! Damn, I've got uni. I have to have a WrestleMania party at Macquarie Uni. 
Bookie. Be there or be square. <laughs> uh, anyway, last few games here. Bournemouth won, Spurs for Stanislas uh, grabbing an early goal for Bournemouth uh, after that was one-way traffic uh, for Spurs with Deli Alley, Serge Aurier uh, and Hyungmin Sun picking up a double to close out the game 4-1. Spurs coming back from a goal down for the first time away from home this season. Long time coming, but I think they did play very well to deserve this mm. one. The big story though, this one, Harry Kane subbed off, uh, leaving the stadium in a protective boot on his left ankle in the 30th minute after collision with Azmi Begovic. I mean, it's got to be a huge dent for I the English that, World, yeah. World, Hope, World Cup chances. I mean, look, props to Sonaldo. Mm-hmm. Son yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a little beast, popping two in. I'm a big fan of that. Um, <laughs> God, yes. Continue. But look, to be honest, seeing Kane go down like that—that's that, bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, have they given out the? It was several several weeks as opposed to several months, which I think is a good sign. I think it was like Daily Mirror, which you can never trust, but at the same time, mm, true. Um, yeah. I mean, if we can get a proper note on the injury and everything, mm-hmm. then we can decide. But if it's as bad as what it looked like, mm-hmm. then the World Cup could be. It isn't a Neymar situation where oh God, walk up, walk up. I mean, he will b- probably go out of the off, sorry, into the off season. No football, minimal football. Yeah, gonna have to restart it. Bit, a bit of rehab. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be ideal for him. He'd rather finish off hundred percent. Yeah, take the desired two weeks off, recover, and get ready for the World Cup. Yeah, no, I think uh, this is the big thing. Can they can they now hold down hold down a top four position without him? Mm. You know, because I mean, I'm assuming my gut says he's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'd say that because that's as eight well. games, eight weeks. You know, done. He honestly wouldn't want to risk it as well. He'd be like, look, I'll cop the eight weeks. We're not yeah. going to win the the league. Yeah. I'd rather play World Cup football and just leave here healthy. So mm-hmm. that, that's that's fair. I'd, I'd take the eight weeks off. Yeah. But who do they play striker now? That's the other. I mean, they got Lorente on the bench. He was fighting Salah for top goal scorer. Eh, was that was my next question actually. <laughs> mm. I mean, look, give Sonaldo a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put him up front. I'd play Lorente. Yeah. Just straight swap. Straight in. I was yeah. going to say, almost. I'm, I'm almost tempted to play Deli Ali up front as like kind of like a a five strike kind of like a five midfield because they play four two three one like a false nine maybe pretty much because so yeah four two three and then he missed a four two four basically mm. Deli Ali in front of Ericsson and then Mura on the left and Sun on the right or even actually you know Sun's played striker I think a few times this yeah. season so see I think Sun lacks the positioning and the strength as a striker yep. he's got the shot the touch and everything mm. but as a striker you need to be well aware of like pretty much the game itself and him with his back towards the goal not the greatest oh, not gonna happen so I'd pretty much give him a number nine spot to Lorente yeah but I want to see a lot, I want to see a lot more of Mora yeah I absolutely do too I mean he signed 25 million 25 years old I want to see a lot more yeah. of Mora <laughs> the puns are coming from left right and center from Dan I gotta I gotta be wags in here so it's all me today <laughs> make up for it so the golden boot I mean safe to say that it's Salah's 100% does Aguero catch him Salah, Salah will score in every single game he has left yeah and he'll take this golden boot with 30 plus goals okay fair enough I'm gonna say I think Aguero's gonna come out with a hat-trick at least once that's that, that's fair for the rest of the run he'll get a hat-trick and I think two games with two goals Silver single-handedly cleaned up Stoke yeah so you could just they, they decide who scores on the day yeah they'll say, they'll say to themselves mm, oh yeah, Aguero Salah's, mm. Salah's taken over mm. alright sweet boys assist me five goals I reckon pre-game they all sit in a circle do spin the bottle and yeah. then whoever gets the pointy ends the score whoever gets the the butt is the assistant yeah and, and they, they just have to go they, they do it six times because I know there's going to be six goals yeah. <laughs> perfect alright boys good good six, six nil win today oh man why not but uh, on to the last one Huddersfield nil. Swansea nil. our boy Aaron Moy uh, I didn't mean to rhyme that but yeah, the boys. how about that <laughs> uh, finally making his return for the Terriers but no goals for either side Jordan Ayew picking up a red card in the 11th <laughs> minute uh, and after that it was all Huddersfield 81% possession which I want to say has to be a very has to be right up there for the Premier League records uh, in the modern era at least that's honestly all Moy to be honest Oh, absolutely. his hold up plays link up plays mm. is phenomenal just his bold head in general so just doing, yeah absolutely uh <laughs> 30 shots on goal. Dan, can you guess how many on target from that one? Ooh, three? Mm, it was four, which is a oh incredibly poor God. strike rate. Uh, strike rate for them. It was, I mean, obviously Huddersfield, you know, struggling in front of goal at this point, but surely with 10 men behind, you know, behind them, you got to get into there. Four on target out of 30 shots. Yeah. That's ill. Yeah, it's not good. But they did hit the, the woodwork twice, crossed the ball, and I'm not sure if this was a glitch or just a, a typo, 64 times into the box. 
I mean, that I, mean, I, I want to kind of pray that it's a typo and like if your live is kind of stuffed up that stat, but it's like 64 times. Time, I mean, that's Man United numbers almost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to fathom how you can get the ball to the goal that often yeah. and not score. Yeah. Right. Gosh. But so disappointing for Huddersfield, it yeah. goes without saying, but Swansea, I mean, that to, to hold that's out like that. That's impressive by Swansea, but. 64s like, into the box. Like, yeah. Yeah. They they were looking at relegation what five six weeks ago yeah not long not long ago and now that they they are getting these these little pointers out mm-hmm. and like it's good for them I I I give them props yeah if we I mean we will do an award show at the end of the season but I mean Carlos Carvajal coming in you got to give him huge like it's, they came in they told him just get save us from relegation yeah. do whatever you need to do and he's done it it's not so mm-hmm. much a Gus Poyet mm. but it's definitely up there yeah basically relegation savior. Mm. So as always, we'd like to finish with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this week, going to the good goes to Jose Mourinho, not for the win over uh, Liverpool, but because he had a pretty, a pretty good zing on Frank De Boer. Hmm. Came out, uh, De Boer came out and said that he kind of pities Rashford, who did score two goals against Liverpool. Uh, kind of pities Rashford for playing under Mourinho. Mourinho came straight back and said. Uh, that Deboa has a horrible Premier League record: seven games, seven losses, no goals scored. And if Rashford played under Deboa, he'd lose. He'd learn how to lose. Whereas playing under Mourinho, he, he learns how to win. Fair point, Dan. Like, yes, yes. Typical Mourinho with mm. his call, but I swear, where, where was Deboa thinking he was going to go with that? Yeah. Look, he's a great player. He was a great player. Coaching really didn't didn't really show that. Definitely not his. Uh, I think he needed more time, but at the yeah. same time, you can't come out and say anything with the record you have in the in the league that you're trying to diss. Mm. You can't say anything with no goals scored, no no wins in seven games. Mm. Nah, you should have just sat back and thought that that was a good game. Yeah. Well done, Mourinho. And very very interesting timing to call out the player that scored two goals. Yep. gonna win like why and then especially why now that that United are flying like outside the loss against um, Sevilla they just beat Chelsea they came back to beat Crystal Palace yeah. they just beat Liverpool like you know why now it's just, he just, just likes starting beef I'd say that's, oh, that's the only reason I can think yeah. of because the guy the guy who trying to diss scored two goals mm. the coach the coach who's trying to diss has one of the best records in the league yep. and you've won no games in the yeah. league what I think it might be, my only theory behind it is it's Deboa trying to get his name back into the media. Could be. So that other teams can think, I was like, oh, I remember Deboa. You know, he was a great player. Mm. Why don't we give him another try at, yeah. you know, coaching? But I mean, obviously, he, he should have gone to a PR firm because if he, I was him, I would have gone to the Netherlands and done work with the team there. Yeah. Then come to the Premier League. I mean, he's got plenty of time. He's not, he's not, I mean, he's not an old head by any means. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely needs more experience at a, young, at a smaller club. Mm. Uh, maybe like Arsenal come to Bournemouth. No, <laughs> Send him to like, Anderlecht or yeah, one, one of those Dutch teams just to build up there mm. get a name for yourself in the Dutch league and then come into the Premier League as oh the boy you yeah. remember him thing was I didn't mind the tactics he wanted to play I didn't mind he just couldn't do it with Crystal Palace because yeah. the quality just wasn't there yeah. I mean you got Christian Benteke leading the line as opposed to like Luis Suarez yep Obviously, it's going to be a golfing quality. Uh, we'll move on to the bad for this week. Jamie Carragher, obviously diehard Liverpool fan, Liverpool legend, uh, mind you, mm. uh, after the 2-1 loss, was driving home and there was footage of him spitting what I think, is it an apple or is it his saliva? Or There's a lot of saliva in that. I was going to say, if that's saliva, I mean, anyway, the story is he spats, there was these fans driving the car going, oh, Jamie Carragher, 2-1, 2-1, yeah, blah, 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 just riling him up. Yeah, wound, you know, wound down the window, spat at them and everyone's like, oh, you know, he's made it all over the news and stuff. And <laughs> He was sacked from his um, job yeah. as a as a PR, one, one of the PR guys, on, mm-hmm. like pre-match and post-match and that. Yeah. Gone. I mean, I don't blame. I mean, you do that sort of thing. Like, uh, what are you thinking? Like, what what's going through his head at that point? Like, sure, you know, you like, die hard Liverpool. Obviously, lives and dies, lives and dies at mm. Anfield. But at the same time, you can't do that. I mean, that's literally why he did it. Because mm. team is more than a game. Yeah. Like, look, two one loss. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, all right, no worries, we'll, we'll come back. Him, two one loss. He's he's not going to sleep for a week. Yeah. No, definitely. But oh, I don't know. I mean, he's. I mean, he's a role model. The thing is, he's also role model with so many Liverpool juniors. Yeah all this other stuff like you know it's all cliche but at the same time you can't be doing this as a because nah. Jamie Carragher and he's a figurehead of I mean so many people think of him and even casual Liverpool fans like oh Jamie Carragher yeah of yeah. course like you know you say Virgil van Dijk it's like oh who so, exactly and uh, he has so many like roles on like Sky Sports and yeah. like the, the Optus Sports radio BBC I'm exactly. sure he jumps in so he's jeopardised all of that yeah. for one little moment to oh, basically well. prove a point to the fans ha 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 thanks yeah. for that gosh well I mean I hope I hope it was an Apple because that was <clears throat> a lot of saliva and yeah if 
if it wasn't just saliva, I mean, I highly, highly encourage him to go see a doctor about get, that. Get those glands checked, mate. Yeah, just go check it out. But anyway, we'll move over to the ugly, uh, the fan protest at West Ham. Dan, we said earlier, I mean, mm. no excuses for West Ham no to concede all. three at Burnley at this rate. I mean, is it fair? It's not quite the way they should have gone about it, but is it fair for the fans to protest at this point? The way yeah. they did outside the box? I mean, on paper, fans protest, that's fair. Yeah. The way they approach the protest, not, not very good. If it was just them crowding around outside the director's box, is that okay? Or do you think... I mean, the fact that Swansea... Uh, sorry, Burnley had to pull players onto the pitch. Sorry, had to pull fans onto the pitch is obviously mm. incredibly concerning. But if it was just players... They were throwing coins as well to the... Yeah. the, like the um, the owner's box and everything mm-hmm. like if you want you can just yell at them do what you want yeah don't abuse them yeah you can't be doing that it's definitely not the environment that you want you know, any any kind of you know person young fan old fan anyone to be in which at the same time which is why I'm still somewhat concerned about the Russian World Cup there's going to be a you, know, yeah. you, you see all the stuff that's going on over there and that, also the that's drugs and funny. what not going through but um, there was a video I don't know if you saw it on Russell um, Russell Howard mm-hmm. they, on, on his show he put up a video because he's a football fan big football fan about yep. the World Cup good comedian too yeah he put up I don't know who who the video who who to credit for the video, but he put the video up of this um, two I think it was two males or two females mm-hmm. um, like pretending to be gay, holding hands, walking down I the street, this, yeah. and like with like cameras on someone in front of the person walking, mm. and the abuse they copped just yeah. just for walking, people running into them, just abusing. I'm just like wow, yeah, because there are how many openly gay players are there in not in Russia or in general no in, in Premier League or in I don't football. think I don't think many I mean I know a lot of NBA players well not a lot but I did, some NBA players have opened up about it but mm. um, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head I know they're doing rainbow laces in, yeah. every year which is a great initiative I mean, um, watching that video I was like wow yeah it's gonna it's be not, interesting it's not, it's not gonna be good for the players it's, who are and like yeah if, even if they are they're gonna be like yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reveal it because yeah. they were literally walking down the street mm. I saw a guy just literally shoulder charge him down there yeah. I'm like why no it's like I mean and that's just it's a very old school very right wing you know nature. Yeah. not to generalize but you know yeah, the you know you see that kind of video and obviously that's you know in a nutshell but mm. at the same time you see these other videos of people getting abused because of you know supporting a different team and the radicals yeah. and all this other stuff I really hope because Russia, the spotlight's going to be on Russia that this isn't going to happen they're going to you know implement protocol to make sure that this sort of stuff doesn't continue but yeah. at the same time like I feel like maybe after this World Cup there could be a few players coming out as um, openly gay yeah which would be, I mean, you know, I'm, I, it doesn't bother me whatsoever. I've played, I mean, as long as you play good football, then I really don't care. Exactly. <laughs> if, if you can win the league for for your club, yeah, we don't care who you are, so, what you are. Yeah, but whatever. I'm just hoping the it's going to be very interesting because the World Cup is also going to somewhat mirror the relationship between the US and Russia too. Uh-huh. The US isn't in the World Cup, but at the same time, Russia's going to. I feel like they're going to use this as like a political platform mm. to try and you know leverage some kind of power. But anyway, we'll save that for our uh, politics. <laughs> our politics podcast and move back to the Champions League so some predictions for the games uh, in the morning Besiktas uh, taking on Bayern Munich at the Vodafone Arena in Turkey Dan score and why hmm. it's currently 5-0 in favour yeah. of Bayern Munich I should point Bayern out Bayern will play just a rubbish team mm-hmm. I'm looking I'm, I'm thinking a draw maybe a slight 2-1 Bayern win yeah no fair enough and there was also the other big game well the big game of the two probably the biggest game of this round of 16 is it Barcelona versus Chelsea at the new camp Barcelona Barca win 3-0 yeah 3-0 I, I reckon I can't say Chelsea scoring yeah I reckon Barcelona mm. will clean them up who gets on the score sheet for you hmm Suarez Messi Coutinho fair enough alright uh, so that just about rounds up the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter for any questions on the show. That's at Seb underscore Quinn. You can get down on Instagram. At Dan Rosefsky. As always, we do have a Twitter page for the podcast. That's at The Corner Post. And also an Instagram page that's at The Corner Post Podcast. Make sure you follow us there on both platforms uh, to get all the latest news, live blogs, and you can hit us up on questions on there directly uh, to keep in touch. That rounds out the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And never forget, if you're ever having a bad week, at least you're not Alexis Sanchez.